Hey guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Turner Syndrome podcast. Pour yourself your favorite cup of coffee, and let's hop into today's episode. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Coffee and Turner Syndrome, and we have a special guest with us today. We have Allison joining us. Hey guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, we are excited that you can um, join us on the podcast today. So thank you for being here. Yeah, Yeah. this is the first one I've done of these. So this is fun. Well, all right. So um, Allison, do you want to share a little bit about your story and yourself for those that, that may not know who you are? Sure. Uh, my name's Allison Kavicki. I'm 36, almost 37. Oh my God, my birthday is so soon, day after Halloween. I haven't even figured out what I'm doing. But um, yeah, I was diagnosed with Turner's at birth. Um, I showed classic puffy feet and puffy hands and all of that and webbed neck, um, all of that at birth. And my mom and my pediatrician my pediatrician had actually just been up to um, like some kind of conference or something in Boston Children's Hospital up there. And he had like just recently learned kind of something about it. So he kind of had like, kind of had like an idea of, you know, maybe think what this is. So that's, that's kind of how my diagnosis got started. I was diagnosed right away, started, uh, started going up to children's in Boston there for as long as I can remember and yeah started growth hormone when I was about two um I was like maybe eight years old or so before I was giving it to myself like pro my mom used to say and yeah I grew up in mass I um, moved to Maine and I lived in Maine for about 10 years until a little over a year ago. And um, yeah, I've just, I've dealt with a lot of the typical Turner stuff, um, hormones, bone stuff. Um, I've had two, uh, two ankle surgeries, two ankle fusions. Um, oh, wow one on my right which is fused from going up and or no sorry that one's from side to side the other one on my left is fused from going up and down so oh wow uh, yeah i i say i'm a little lopsided like that so it's been it's definitely been different having ts as an adult than it was younger as an adult, it's totally a different ball of wax. <laughs> yeah. It definitely is. So how it is, is it different for you? Like, what's the experience been? It's been uh, definitely been different because I've got to got to stay on top of stay on top of myself myself. Otherwise, I, you know, over a year. Oops. <laughs> And 
also too just life in general like i i ended up moving around so much before i settled in maine for that long period of time that it was hard to to get doctors and stay on with doctors and stuff like that so but as an adult it's you got to or you're you're gonna end up doing more damage yeah i know for me it almost feels like i mean since i was probably early teens i've always had that feeling of like why do i already feel like i'm 80 years old yeah mm -hmm. but as i've gotten older it's gotten even more so i'm like oh man I, I, there's just so much uh-huh and there's always that one person that's like oh no you're you're too young for that it's like yeah tell me about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah my dad's right. girlfriend said that to me recently and i oh my god i never wished i could reach through a phone faster yeah i know for me one of the things um is like it's a challenge is balancing hormones and so i tend to get hot flashes like yep. crazy and i have friends and people will joke like you're having a hot flash? You're too young to be in menopause. I'm like, right. thanks. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Thanks for telling me this. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, I stand up and like all of my bones crack. And it's like, yeah. I I promise I'm only 31. Right. I really right. am. <laughs> my bones tell a different story. But really, I mm -hmm. promise I'm only 31. Yeah. I would so definitely say like... um for for me it seemed like when i was younger it definitely was not as complicated you know i you know had my mom's yep. support making sure i was um doing my medication and my growth hormone and all that correctly mm -hmm. as well as health wise it just wasn't nearly as as complicated i didn't have a lot of health issues thankfully right. and so it did not seem to be nearly as big of a deal but once I you know got in my 20s and I you know transitioned to a adult at college it was sort of like once I got off my growth hormone that's pretty much at 17 when I started transitioning into adult care and mm -hmm. having to decide my you know my doctors and all of that were pretty much my primary took care of a lot of stuff I yeah. realized that I need an endocrinologist and everything because I don't have an adult endocrinologist now. And it was sort mm -hmm. of like, well, good luck. Good luck with that. See you later. <laughs> yeah, it's You're, same with now. Me because, You're on your own. <laughs> yeah, same with me, sort of, because like I said, you know, life just kind of happened. And in between like that age of 17 and like, you know, starting to take on adult care and adult doctors my mom couldn't afford every bedroom place for me her and my younger sister at the time i ended up going into job corps and having to do my own thing and that was you know they didn't provide that much i mean yeah they made sure you had medical care if you needed it but they're not going to pay for specialists they don't they don't do that so yeah it's not I, it I wasn't until say, i got later on got insurance and was able to get on that stuff again yeah and 
I would say one of the challenges that um, that I did have with growth hormone when I was younger was I was on the, well, it was experimental growth hormone because I lived in Texas. I That's basically where I grew up was in Texas and mm -hmm. um, in Houston. And so I was part of this um, transition into this new growth hormone. And so mm -hmm. I was part of a group of girls that were um, on a trial. Yeah. My mom could not get me on her insurance. It was a constant battle to get approval for the growth hormone. Mm -hmm. And so that was always a challenge. And then when we moved to Canada, that was really a challenge trying to mm -hmm. get that approved. Mm -hmm. See, insurance is a nightmare to me. Like, it's one of my biggest concerns because up until now in my life, I've been so blessed to be able to be like growing up, I was on my dad's benefits. Same there with me. See, my dad, my dad was a sprinkler fitter in the union in Boston for many years with good insurance. And yeah. let me tell you, the cost of that growth hormone, if I was not on his insurance for that, even with oh, yeah. the other, the other insurance that my mom had for that, just for all of us kids, insane, yeah, insane. It, it was, it was basically a rent a month. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's super expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've always I've always been so I was on my dad's, and then when I got married, I've been on my husband's, and I've been very very blessed that I have not had to try to qualify for insurance on my own, and I've always mm -hmm. worried about if I ever had to, or had to come up with my own plan for that what that would right. look like because like if either of us transitioned out of a job where we wouldn't be naturally having those benefits as a part of our package we'd have to take that into consideration with whatever we replaced it with because we'd have to figure some version of whatever out that right. would encompass what i needed it's really right. i've gone without insurance before for a small right. amount of time it was hard so yeah and see the, the way i i explain it to grizzly and the way i i make him understand it is that we can't go without with nothing like yeah we can't and it's insane too like a lot of women with turners get just looked at differently for the most random things when it comes to medical stuff like that like for instance, um, I was getting going to fill all my prescriptions and I was transferring them because the the state changed my insurance on me. Perfect example. So what did I have to do? I had to send my prescriptions on a lovely little freaking boomerang from one pharmacy to another to another where they were supposed to be. And when they finally got there and I'm there to talk to the guy and give them all my numbers and everything and everything, all my info about my insurance so they can start putting them in. He's like, how many do you have? I'm like, uh, I guess at least 10. And he just goes, oh, geez. And I'm like, 
wow wow <laughs> like people just have a lot of nerves sometimes when it comes to stuff like that and they don't just they don't they don't think to ask the questions you know they don't yeah think to ask about it but also on the flip side of that when i had to go to the er recently for my my foot swelling up i had a doctor actually be like oh okay what is that educate me and i geeked out because i was like i love when people say that because it it means there's a doctor out there willing to like legit learn instead of being like oh oh yeah okay i i can pretend like i know what that is uh, sure, I could do that. No, you don't really know what it is, and you can do damage by not paying attention. Yeah, mm -hmm. they were yeah. asking what Turner syndrome is. I've had, I've had, I don't remember if I've ever had it directly worded like, "Tell me what that is" or "Remind me what that is." But yep. I've had it be a. Well, I take that back. I haven't had it be a "Tell me what that is." I've had it be a "Refresh my memory," mm -hmm. and it's always like. It, it takes me back at first because it's like you don't know okay mm -hmm. well let me give you a little brief explanation because it yeah. could be long but yeah you're right it is super important for them to be like no i'm not sure tell mm -hmm. me because then you can actually give them good information and be like look right. here is this and now they'll understand what? for the next possible person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would rather and now they'll understand say, the underlying things. Yeah, because there's mm -hmm. so many of those. Yeah, there's so many things that it could be, you know, we were talking about this the other day, I feel like where it, it could be a simple thing that for an average person would not be a red flag. But you put that in the context of a Turner syndrome diagnosis. And it is a red flag. Right, right. So that's an important difference. <laughs> what would you say is the biggest way Turner's has impacted your life? Biggest way it's impacted my life? Probably that I always was one of those little girls that wanted and thought I'd get the typical, you know, grow up, get married, ha get house, have babies, all that and so the biggest thing has been accepting that for me that looks different that is really different than you know like i still to this day remember my mom like reminding me and driving it home and being like no th this means like you have turners and that you probably won't be able to have a baby naturally and I must have been probably like seven, eight years old. And I, I can literally remember it. And it, it, like I said, it's just, it's accepting that for some of us that, that looks different. And it's not that different for every single woman with Turner's, but for some, it just, it is. So for some, it is just that different. And yeah. all of, the ways that that looks on the spectrum is okay adoption fostering any you know surrogacy there's there's so many ways so many ways so yeah yeah that's that's probably the biggest probably the biggest one yeah i had a similar experience to with finding out as you did it was 
I was probably about nine, nine and a half when my mom explained it to me. Mm -hmm. And at first, I mean, at that age, I didn't really know what that meant. Like, what do you mean? Because mm -hmm. the way she worded it was, you probably, most likely, won't be able to have a baby on your own. And I'm at that See, age. That's thinking, almost yeah, like, what is that even, I don't know what that means at that age, because I don't know what those other options even right. were. And really, right. when I was nine and a half, there weren't as many options other than that as there are now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I think that's literally the same words that my mom used. Like, I think I had made some comment, like any young girl would do, like, you know, when I grow up and get married and da-da-da. Yeah. And, yeah, so. Oh, yeah. I was always like, I can't wait to have kids. Mm -hmm. I was, I knew. So what would you guys say is your like best advice to, because I've come across this question and topic before, like what the best way to introduce that to, like if for parents listening to their daughter that has Turner's that they're trying to explain that to, what age or way of phrasing it would you guys what would you say would have been like a really good way of doing that i mean i think my parents did it correctly but just in your head what do you think like what would you see as a good advice for that i definitely think kind you know kind of along the lines of the same way um you know definitely definitely break it to them slow and gently definitely definitely be transparent with them though and you know make sure you're telling them accurate information and yeah. you know don't tell them anything that you absolutely need to earlier than you need to you know just kind of keep paying attention to them too for you know signs that they right might be ready to hear some that kind of information yeah i was gonna say to some extent i feel like I just naturally started asking questions. Right. That's right. what kind of prompted that conversation. Mm -hmm. I was. Yeah. I, I think mothers have that think that they know. With, yeah. Mm -hmm. They they do. I I think like it's one of those things because moms I think have a instinct of you know when. It might be good. I think it could be different for you know any girl. Um, I think probably between like seven or so, it's good to start having a conversation that might be appropriate yeah. for something you know you can understand at seven, and and trying to just be um, you know as upfront as possible and um, truthful as possible, but. The good thing is there are a lot of options. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when presented with that, it, you know, it gives, I think, the possibility of, of hope and things that you can start thinking about. And, yeah. um, you know, and as you grow older, then you can start deciding, you know, what seems to be the option that works best for you. Mm hmm that's another big thing too is be sure to to offer them support and those options mm -hmm. that's what they want to go do you know yeah. like yeah. i i know my mother would have but 
like my if looking back if my mom had said you know you you can do those things you can you can do adopt and foster and all that and if she had you know like kept on it and kept reminding me and stuff like that i might have i might have done something like that earlier mm-hmm. you know or i might have you know i might have done something different somewhere along the line i don't know what i don't know but i i might have <laughs> you yeah. know and i was i was thinking that too because i was like well if i had known that earlier there was you know if i had thought about that earlier then maybe i i could have done something like thought about like freezing my eggs or different mm-hmm. options like that um and i just i didn't have all those for me adoption was was sort of though one of those things that i think i knew oddly enough from a very young age and it was my Mm -hmm. but it was really almost like one of the few options that there were but when i was when i was younger (laughs) but my mom my mom was pregnant and uh with my brother and I was about five and a half years old. And so that's, I, I kind of forced her into having a conversation because I was just a curious five and a half year old seeing my mom right. pregnant and trying to understand. And so I'm like asking questions and stuff like that. And so my mom decided maybe I should start having a conversation with Andrea and let her know. And so she started talking to me about, um, you know, not being able to have kids naturally, or most likely I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to. But she said, you know, she started talking to me about adoption. She's like, what would you think about being able to, you know, give a kid a, you know, a home? And that always just, to me, I wanted to be a mom. And I really was excited about the idea of I could get, give somebody, you know, a home that, that, didn't have a home right and right you know that really excited me and so i was when i when i was younger that was kind of easier to accept and then as expectations change you know like i'm like oh well that may not happen or may not look like i how i thought it was gonna look and mm-hmm. it just changes so because mm-hmm. like, I'm the only one of the three of us, like I'm I'm single, I'm not dating currently, and I haven't been married, haven't been in a relationship. And so I I really wrestle with do I want to bring a child into my family right now? And yeah. um, so it looks really different, but it's a whole different kind of like process of grieving and dealing with it because now that i i want to start a family and be able to have a family those expectations are different than what i thought they were going to be when i was a kid i'm like yeah, yeah. i'm gonna grow up i'm gonna marry start a family you know i'll be young enough where you know it's going to happen well the older i get the lot <laughs> there's a lot right. less options on the table for me. right 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 mm-hmm. yeah uh, i i I grew up in, uh, like, in my family, my dad was adopted, and also he adopted my older sister, officially. So I've always, like, knew about adoption from early on and all of that, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, like, I always, I always kept it in the back of my mind, too, but I never... 
I just never, I haven't felt it's the right time to start trying to pull the trigger yet on doing it. You know, so, but I, yeah, yeah. I, and looking back, doing the, the, the math too, thinking about, you know, the right time to tell, that, that is too. I remember on that and I was born when I was like seven. So that was like the age appropriate for for there. And my God, the new butterflies they have hormone pens that stuff. You know, like there's so many more things on it's incredible. I like your both of your points about like there's there's kind of something that naturally brings it up and there's an easy way of telling oh they're ready like they're they're getting mm -hmm. curious they're thinking about this so it's probably time to address it a little bit whatever the age appropriate yeah. version for then is Mm -hmm. You know, at least I, I kind of like the idea of like introducing alternative ways really early, like mm -hmm. not, not just, well, you're going to have to look at other options, but also following up not too long after that with what those other options might be and kind of, right. Yeah not delving into the information and details because that could get overwhelming that's a lot but mm -hmm. even just introducing some of the concepts of like adoption or fostering um mm -hmm. right that way i don't know i feel like i had so much time to process that it wouldn't look how i would expect it to that that really helped mm -hmm. like it still it still didn't stop me from having to grieve that once it was confirmed for me but it definitely meant I had had time to process part of it I, I wasn't having yeah. it all thrown on me at once I knew that was right. most likely right so Oh yeah, it is. It is important to take little bites of it. You know, you don't have to process it all at once. Yeah, and there's just a lot to process for anybody over any period of time. Yeah. Well, that's kind of that's the advice I always give for parents that have just gotten the diagnosis too. Is like, mm -hmm. don't overwhelm yourself because there's a lot yeah yeah it's really easy to do that really quickly with information about turners yeah so um i also feel like um the the information that's out there can be such a process going through it because there's like 
one website mm -hmm. can say one thing while another says a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you gotta you gotta kind of comb through it all to find the the piece in the in the middle that's actually the truth. Yeah. 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 Out of the extremes, it's almost never one of the extremes. Mm hmm. You know, mm -hmm. the doctors that know it by textbook and not by practice will tell you, "Oh, all of these things are possible." Well, right. Yes. But not everything that's possible is going to happen. Right. Right. So, like, I'll see moms ask, oh, what do you think is my daughter's chance? And I'm like, well, you really need to talk to the doctor about what specifically is happening with her. Mm-hmm. Because that, you know, even a little girl, they're asking, what's her the rest of her life going to look like well you got to see what pops up health-wise for her because that'll tell right. you and until then you're not really gonna know oh, believe it or not they told my mom if i made it past two years old i'd be okay if i made it wow. past two years old. and here i am almost 37. Did you have any heart issues? What were they basing that on? Um, yeah, it was it was heart issues. Um, I have the bicuspid aortic valve, the typical with Turner's. Um, when I was like 12 hours old, I started going blue on my mom when she was holding me in the nursery. Yeah, and that's how they, they rushed me right up to children's and like I said, my pediatrician who had gone on a conference there with, you know, some of his other coworkers and stuff and colleagues, um, he came up there to actually diagnose me formally. And yeah, from there it was, it, it was hitting the ground running. <laughs> Did you have to have surgery? Nope. Um, I, I still haven't to this day, haven't had to have surgery on it, just monitored. Um, and yeah, I also had, uh, I was born with a horseshoe shaped kidney, like some, sometimes happens with Turner's. I had to have, um, a portion of that removed when I was like four years old because oh it wasn't draining to the bladder, apparently. So... Oh. Yeah. I, I just remember that my mom like told me that I scared the ever loving crap out of her by jumping up and down on a stool, like right after I had gotten my stitches taken out. And God, yeah. Yeah, I, I was a I was a wild one. <laughs> <laughs> so I I've always known that the horseshoe kidney was a possibility. And I think I've heard maybe one or two other stories, but it's a part of things that I've had a very surface level understanding of. So I would mm -hmm. be very curious to hear your experience with it. Um, from what you know, it's, um, it's, shaped differently and like i said mine um 
that's on the right side, uh, a portion of it wasn't draining to the bladder, like, at all. At all. Oh. So, that's what they had to do, was kind of remove it and bypass it. Um, yeah. Mine, as far as other than that, I haven't had any other issues. Um, and I haven't had really any other Turner's women tell me that they've had a horseshoe kidney cause them issues. Um, I do kind of know that women with Turner's tend to be prone to kidney stuff in general. Like a lot, I see a lot of, I see a lot, a lot of um, like kidney stones, gallstones, stuff like that. So yeah. it actually, it actually makes me curious what, what the connection is, you know, like that it may just be one of the things that we just don't know right now. Yeah. Well, I know for me, I had liver issues, gallstones, yep. a part of that. Yep. Um, my own self diagnosed understanding mm -hmm. of it is it was due to my medication. And oh, okay. Yeah. Um, like it, it wasn't processing right for me and so my liver was working overtime processing it because um, mm -hmm. I was getting it, too much estrogen was being um put through my liver and it was working it overtime is my kind of interpretation that's my semi educated guess at what was going on right and so I know there's lots of things that like the whole system is connected. So one mm -hmm. part being off can throw another part off. And I mean, the liver and kidneys, they both, they're both the body's like filter systems, right? Like that's mm -hmm. their job is they're cleaning stuff out. Yep. The more medication we take, probably the more it's keeping up on doing that. Mm hmm So. Yeah, and it took, I mean, it also, it's just like anything. Everybody is different. Like, it took me yeah. all these years to get on a pretty decent, like, med regime of what I need and how I need it, you know? I yeah. was so bad at one point with trying to get hormones and stuff regulated and everything that it was in the middle of one of my surgeries and because of my hormones I was so messed up I had my period five times that one month Ooh, that gosh. I was on crutches not able to put weight on my foot <laughs> and i get the luck of having my period five times that month because hooray hormone pills that i have to have right oh gosh yeah it really all just depends on what your your system needs you know it's it's a case-by-case -case basis <laughs> yeah 
Oh yeah. We've talked about that a lot with specifically with hormones, like mm -hmm. nobody is the same. Right. And that's my biggest concern with the general approach, like the, the textbook prescribed approach to, you know, this is typically what we give because it's, it's a one-size-fits-all solution for something that's not a one-size-fits-all problem. Right. Exactly. So what was your experience with HRT? When did you start and what was your process of finding um, what worked for you? I, I started when I was, um, I want to say like 12, they started to kind of slowly test the waters and put me on it. Um, and then it didn't really, it didn't really do too much. Um, like I was on it probably a few years and it didn't really do much except I grew a little bit of boobs. <laughs> that was it. It didn't really, it didn't really do much that time except yeah, I grew a little bit of boobs and I didn't start it again until I was like maybe 17 or so. And then I was on it for another couple of years and it was kind of it, kind of normal. Um, like I started, started getting a period and stuff like that. And it started off like, heavy like whoa but then after a while it slowed down and then after i moved up to maine um that was when i got on it again and i think that was when i actually got on some of the good ones because i was on the the patch at some point for part of it too um, cause I would, I was on estrogen and progesterone at different points. So the patch, that lovely little patch ate away my skin so bad because of the adhesive and because of, you know, the chemicals and stuff, it literally turned parts of my skin to like hamburger. Like it was chemically burning my skin. So I'm actually on, uh, I'm on good meds now and I, I I can't tell you how much that makes a difference because yeah. being on the wrong ones is hell. <laughs> and when they don't work right, it's hell. Yeah. Especially those types of meds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because a little bit off there throws everything off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, was sharing my story when we were talking about HRT a little while back. I think it was back in 2019. And actually, I had a pretty good regimen um, and never really had a problem until then. And part of it is diabetes related. Mm -hmm. In fact, it really mostly, I think, is diabetic related. 
Um, so I was officially diagnosed back in like 2018 as diabetic. And it was kind of starting a few years prior to that, where I was pre-diabetic and I was having issues with my A1C and all that. Yeah. So in 2018, though, my endocrinologist decided to put me on metformin. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> that was the only thing related to diabetes that he put me on at that time. And so I would get my A1C checked just when I saw him. I wasn't mm -hmm. finger sticking or anything like that. And <clears throat> for a while it was okay but i could see the numbers still struggling and part of it was just i own i had to make a lot of changes i you know and struggling with some of the things because it's hard giving up carbs let me just say yeah. um <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah uh so <laughs> um it is a challenge uh but so because I wasn't like monitoring regularly, I did not realize just how bad it had decided to get. And so my whole system just started acting up. Mm -hmm. And so by early 2019, um, I started experiencing an issue where my vision was going everything except for like what was literally right in front of my face was blurry um to mm -hmm. a point where you could probably almost consider me legally blind <clears throat> i'm not kidding i shouldn't be i shouldn't yeah. have been driving or any of that um and everyone was just so blurry and they uh so i finally i went to and i had started asking my endocrinologist hey do you think i need to start monitoring myself and he's like that's you know you can decide if you want to monitor yourself and he didn't seem like concerned so i was like well if he doesn't seem that concerned i'm not concerned so i didn't worry about it um right. so then this happens and so i finally go to him and i'm like i can't see as well as i started having periods constantly couldn't get it to stop and just when i thought it was stopping maybe for a day or two boom so i didn't have as many but there was like at the worst peak i, I had like three in the month yep probably almost four and yep. i just couldn't get it to stop and my i have never had this problem so then I, I called my endocrinologist and I was like, I need to get in. This needs to get fixed. This is not okay. Because I was just, I was such an emotional, hormonal. That's, that's pretty much yes. what I did. I, I straight up had an emotional, I had a mental breakdown. It, I was, I had got my, my surgery in either January or February in Maine, mind you. So it's dead of winter in Maine. And I'm on crutches for two months, non-late bearing oh, on one of my feet. And I my body decides to give me my period five times in one month. It's awful. It's awful. And I'm like, I, I, I just, I, I was going back crazy. 
And yeah. I, I'm like, people around me are going to be miserable because I'm going to make them miserable. <laughs> so I'm like, um, so yes. And I finally, so I went, checked, he checked my A1C. Um, it got up to like 10.1 and my glucose was running about 400. So when they called me with that result, like I'm like, say what? Um, so that's when, um, <clears throat> he put me on another medication and mm -hmm. told me that I, I'm, I am going to start testing myself. There was no, you can, if you want to, it was like, no, you're testing yourself. <laughs> um, so I, I did a, a monitor and that was one of the best mm -hmm. things I did actually for myself was the, the continuous monitor because man, that held yeah. me accountable. I started looking at my numbers and stuff and I was like, okay. So it helped me to know things that kind of spiked my blood sugar and things that Right, I can definitely stable. see that. Mm -hmm. like, oh, um, if I only just yeah. hadn't ate that, I would, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would have overnight, sometimes I would have like real lows and I would go into like real lows. And so it helps me know, so like sometimes if it's at a certain point before bed, just to keep it from not going like super low, I might want a little like, protein or something to keep it stable through the mm -hmm. night or something. So it's very helpful. And it, I went from like my A1C being 10.1 to 5.7, which is considered pre-diabetic. Yep. And so yep. the medication and all that helps. So after that, I got a lot more diligent and trying to figure out the whole carb thing. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> But, oh, it was, it was such a terrible time. And, um, but it was amazing because like a couple of weeks after my A1C started dropping, my vision came back and um, my period started to regulate itself. A Even out bit again? Once. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I found lately, I'm a little sensitive to mind that I feel like I was initially when I was first starting on it. Like I can go a day or two past when I'm supposed to change my patch because I'm on the patch right now. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'll get a little bit of spotting again. And I'm like, what? What? And I don't remember being that sensitive to it before, but mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. When I was little, starting that whole thing yeah i don't think i ever could have anticipated what me as an adult would still be trying to figure out right right i don't think i ever thought that that part of this would be a process right you don't you don't think of that as an as a child you don't think of Hey, I'm gonna. I, I'm. I might have to actually work to actually have this. The things a quote-unquote normal woman body does, ours is not going to do on its own. We need right. to. We need to. Yeah. 
I mean, you can't do what do. We have to, in a way, force it to do what it should do. Yeah. Well, that's, it's, it's funny because there's so much that you look at and you're like, like on paper, this should be an easy answer. Mm -hmm. But practically it's really not. Right. Even screenings, like going through all of the screenings, those, it can be very like, well, this is what's recommended. And as long as everything else is coming up, great. But but then keeping up with all of those appointments, keeping track of, wait, when was the last time I had that one? What did that one look like? Mm -hmm. Is there this new other thing that I should be thinking about? I mean, we talked a little bit about transitioning from pediatric to adult, but oh my goodness. Right. Just like it's just before I came down here, perfect example, before I moved down, to Florida from Maine, I was diagnosed with um, collagenous colitis. So that means, you know, now seeing um, gastroenterologists and all that and blah, blah, blah. So, okay, that's, that's a whole new one for me. You know, that's not one that I've had to deal with, but it is, it is one that a lot of other Turner's women have had to deal with earlier than me. So, perfect example. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Turner's is a roller coaster of, well, that was never a problem, but it can be now. Mm -hmm. See what it's going to throw me today. Yeah. Yep. That's why, with, and I had to kind of like, get a little out of my own head with it. The whole heart screenings started scaring me at one point. Like I've never had anything show up, but mm -hmm. I was having them and it kind of just made me think about the fact that there's that potential. And I'm like, Right. Gosh. And then I, got, I would get even more nervous every time. Like, are they right. going to find something this time? And that just got so overwhelming and it's, I don't know, those are already so emotional. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, oh man. And aging kind of just like, as we get older, that kind of just even more so happens because then you're adding the natural, what happens is you get older, yeah. like, our bodies are not the same as they were before. And what do those changes right. look like? And all of a sudden, this is a thing for us now. Mm -hmm. Just like the, the last time I went to go get on hormones and, you know, had to get on different hormones, different way because I can't do the patch. And um, my, my new doctor down here, was one that actually see this isn't this is another good one and this is another reason why i really 
I hope I can go back to this doctor with my insurance because she actually took the time before my appointment to research what it meant to research Turner's. I've never had a GYN do that before. Never. That's a very good she sign. Goes, yeah, she goes, I stayed up last night knowing I was going to see you today and told me. And I was like, <laughs> and she, she kind of got me straightened out. She's like, I don't, she's like, I don't want to put you on too much because you know, she's like, where you're sensitive, I don't want to just make you, you know, like a stuck pig. I don't want you to just be bleeding all the time. So that's why we kind of got it toned down and I'm on a good dose and yeah, I got to see good. now that I have this new insurance, I have to see if I can go back and see her or if I have to find someone else and to roll the dice again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's always the interesting part with changing doctors is like, all right, like mm -hmm. I've I've had both experiences where you you've been with one doctor, you know what to expect, and it's either not where you would want it to be or exactly where you'd want it to be, and then yeah. they shift to somewhere else, and you're like, all right, let's see. And you know that first appointment with the new doctor is like, all right, let's see where you're at with this. Let's see what we're working with here. Because mm -hmm. I've had both, even a endocrinologist, I've had not actually seem to me to fully understand Turner's because, mm -hmm. well, I, I say that because she was not really actually listening to what I was saying. And acting like it wasn't possible. And I'm like, okay, well, it is, but all right. Um, and so it was like the next time I the next time I had a new doctor, she had moved and it was like, all right, let's see what this is like. And it was a totally different experience. Polar mm -hmm. opposite. It was amazing. And I mean, they were the same specialists. They were, you know, like same schooling, same everything. So it was like, it, it really is all about how you and that specific doctor work. Mm -hmm. And their approach to it. Because if they're not going to really listen to your input or what you're telling them you're experiencing, that's. I don't know. Exactly. I, it's got to be, you both have to be working together. Right, right. They've, they've got to, you know, listen to you and you've got to explain to them why, why certain is more important than they should, than would just think normally, you know, there, there is a reason why certain things are more important. And it's not just, it's not just because we want to feel special about them. Because trust me, it's not, that's not it. You know, it's not just because we want something to talk about. Yeah. We're, we're not just saying it for no reason. It's, you know, 
it is stuff that's got to be paid attention to. And I, I will say it till I'm blue in the face. You, you got to be your own advocate. You got to be your own squeaky wheel. And not many know about Turner's. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's still something that even people, well, even people in the specialty of endocrinology, which to me, my understanding has always felt like, well, if any specialist is going to have an advantage with Turner's. Right. It's, it's got to be endocrinology. Yeah, because their their specialty is hormones. And that's mm -hmm. the basis of everything with it. But even that, there's such a difference between a textbook knowledge of like, well, this is what it says it looks like, versus actually understanding how mm -hmm. it looks in different patients and seeing it live in a person. It, mm -hmm. if you're not open to listening and you don't have that experience it's night and day right right it's and like it's, reading a book versus going to see the movie right yeah. yeah especially with what the textbook stuff can look like it's like well they've gotta to some extent leave room for right but this is a very versatile condition mm -hmm. every story of it looks different and you have no way from diagnosis of predicting what they'll deal with all you have to mm -hmm. go off of is this is what's possible right even as we get older i mean i my world was kind of rocked when i realized how even though I had had such good results from all of my screenings up until now, there's very little promising that that stays the same. And I can't take that for granted. Mm -hmm. Well, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely one thing that I learned. You, you can't take that for granted. Absolutely. That can be overwhelming. It can be a little mm -hmm. scary, but to me, knowledge has been power. <laughs> Just understanding the best I can and equipping myself the best that's out there that I can. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that I would say too yeah. is I mean, don't that's... psych yourself out of going. Don't do that. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is psych yourself out of going because when you do finally have to go and you, you will end up having to go one way or the other if something is as bad as that, you will finally, like, you'll actually get answers. Get, get the answers that you need because... If something's going on and you're questioning it and you don't quite know, it's better to know. You don't not know going on. Your heart. Yeah. Your heart's a big one. That's that's a big one that I always 
I'll tell anyone with Turner's, any fly mom, definitely, definitely keep And, like I said, don't psych yourself out of going because it's important to know. It is important because if all it takes is a little bit of preventative stuff to prevent something major, you need to know that information. And I mean, it can be something so simple as, hey, don't stand up so quick. Okay. <laughs> you know, like it, if a doctor is, is telling you that that is going to to keep you around, do it. Find out what you've got to do to to stay healthy because it's not yeah. easy to just wake up every day and be healthy. Not even for quote unquote normal people. Yeah. I remember because um, I didn't find my heart stuff until I was well into adulthood. And mm -hmm. um, I never had any symptoms. And yeah. my endocrinologist, even my pediatric endocrinologist, who that's what he did, was work with Turner Syndrome patients in the clinic at Texas Children's. Mm -hmm. And you would think that that would be something that he would check for and would have checked for. Never did. And it took, I decided to go ahead and get a, a echocardiogram done when I was at my first convention in Dallas um, because mm -hmm. I thought, well, should be okay, but I have a chance to know and make sure things really are okay. And right. not only that, the added benefit of the cost of it's being covered through um at the time w was helping uh w sleeping butterfly was helping to to sponsor those and then also the um i guess it's uh is it an i don't wonder if it's an organ i'm trying to remember but dr silverbox team um was providing it to us and i'm mm -hmm. like why wouldn't i take advantage of that and Right. Thankfully, I mean, as difficult as it was, and I tell you, it felt like an anvil had been dropped on my head because I was not expecting it. And, you know, I a couple of the girls were in a breakout session. So I went by myself. I was by myself, no one around me, no friends, no nothing. And I found out that I had a genetic, um, I had a, coarctation mm -hmm. in my aorta and um part of me obviously it was very difficult to hear it was very difficult to find out but yeah. to have the answers and then now to know that also meant something because i kept thinking i gotta go as long as i did and not find anything out. What if something had happened? 
Right. Right. And, you know, now I have the chance to, if something needs to be done about it, as scary as it is, to be able to live or fight to survive because I know now and I can take the information with me and do something about it. And right. so, right. yeah, that's, that's probably one thing that I'm, will absolutely be the biggest advocate for is get it done. It's scary, but knowing is better than not knowing. Exactly. And I, exactly. Thinking, and I, I, I found out it runs, um, runs on my dad's side of the family heart stuff does because my dad has had a heart attack mm -hmm. and i mean i i thought it did already because his dad had a heart attack but like i said his dad was adopted so we weren't like a hundred percent sure if it was genetically or not but you know since my dad's gotten older and he's got heart problems too it's definitely a, okay yeah gotta keep checking it yeah yes yeah. And I, I tell the girls, I'm just like, if I can, you know, I will go with you to your appointment and support you. You know, if that mm -hmm. will help you get you there, I'll try and make that happen. I'll go because I know what that's like. And I know, like, I eventually was able to, you know, meet up with the girls and stuff. But I mean, I was sitting there by myself finding this out and it just felt like everything I knew crumbled in that moment. What I thought I knew mm -hmm. was gone. And yeah. I had to readjust and refigure and um you know it's it's scary and you know I want to support the other woman, you know. So if that's what it takes to get you there though, I, I will. I mm -hmm. I will go. And right, uh, I'm that friend too. I'm like, you, you need me, I'll, I'll come. If, yeah. if that's if that's what it takes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so important to be able to be there for each other and kind of like, especially with all of the unique things Turner throws at us. Like, yeah, we can have that of like, no, I know exactly what you're dealing with, and I understand, mm -hmm. and I'm here. I'm always there to try and do what I can to help support each other. And, you know, I know the right. girls around me, we, we deal with a lot of different medical stuff. Um, but it's one of those, those things that when I see um, the different struggles and different health issues, um, especially cardiac, I, I will scream that from the rooftop, you know, like, Oh yeah, I'll die on you that. You know, hill. do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the biggest thing I think we can do for ourselves. And um, if everything is good, then that's great. You know, um, yeah. but if we can find, you know, find issues and time, we we get to save mm -hmm. a lot more of us sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm always an advocate. I'm like, at least go to the conference. You can get free echocardiograms at the conferences. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. I love that that's happening. Yeah, yeah. And for me, that's like 
if if there's any reason to go to the conference besides getting to see the girls there's a lot of of good things about going to the conference but if there's anything i think the biggest thing that you can do for yourself is go to the conference and be able to get an echo mm -hmm. i do i really hope i can go to a conference at some point i have not been able to yet but i would love to well, hopefully you can. I, I know. Dallas. I, I actually, I got to go to one when I was like six. My mom actually was the one that like, I remember being able to hang with the young girls, you know, doing what the young girls were doing. And my mom talking to all the doctors and stuff. I just remember that I was the one that got to go with the other butterflies, the young butterflies to Plymouth, uh, Plymouth Rock implement plantation and stuff like that and because i was oh. from the area i was the one that was telling them all yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> <'Cause it's not. laughs> well this year or this coming year i should say next year i'm so excited because um the in-person conferences are coming back so yeah. I am so excited. Yeah. 2023, we are getting back together, and Houston does not know what is about to happen. So <laughs> it doesn't even know. Um, but Houston is my stomping ground. It's where I grew up, and um, I plan to be there. And so I am. I am so super excited for it. So yeah. yes, I'm hoping it'll be a good, good turnout. But Yes, looking forward to that. Hopefully, because it's been a while, hopefully that will be a conference where there um, will be the echoes available since it's yeah. been several years. And I think it would be a good idea to have that available. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But I'm so, so excited about it. Yeah. That's really cool. I don't, because of where we're at with foster care and adoption and everything, I have not yet really been able to decide if I feel like I could try to go. I think it's going to have to be a, I'll have to see much closer. Summer can also be a lot more difficult of a time for us. We're a lot busier, but mm -hmm. yeah. We'll see. I would love to. I love watching the sessions that they post afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I've learned it's, so uh, much from those. Yeah. It's it's a pretty easy drive from where I'm at. I mean, it's, it's a long drive. It'll be about a 12-hour drive. But it's a pretty, pretty straight drive, actually. So, um, I plan to not, well, my, my plan right now is to drive and not fly um, so I can have my car with me because I plan to spend some extra time down there, um, there you go. following the conference. Mm -hmm. So I don't get down there very much. So I'm going to see, see some places and things I haven't gotten to do in a while, but I'm looking forward to it. Yes. And spend a, uh, hopefully my goal, get to spend a week, um, and then be able to spend some time yeah, on the there beach. There you go. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I was planning to go to Corpus to visit my parents, but my parents are actually getting ready to relocate and oh. move back up my way. <laughs> so I'm not going to be able to go. I'm not going to be able to stay with them. <laughs> I was, it's kind of sad. I'm like, I was going to come to Rockport, but uh, yeah, I'll probably stay in Houston, go to Galveston and stuff. Very nice. Yeah. Any final thoughts or words um really just reiterating again check your hearts girls um yeah. definitely definitely keep protecting those young butterflies and help them spread their wings and that's pretty much it absolutely all right well thank you so much allison for coming on and talking this Thanks is so much fun me. it definitely was i will definitely come back again too yeah, absolutely. It was great talking, great hearing some of your story and everything. It was um, a Thank ton you. of fun. And I'm, I'm so excited that we've had a chance to talk now. And um, yeah. yeah, it was so great yes. having you on. So thank you for taking that time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the chance. It was great. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much for listening and let us know if you have any other topic suggestions or anything like that. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. See you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Coffee and Turner Syndrome. If you would like to support the podcast, I do have listener support set up on Anchor. And if you'd like to leave me a voice message, I would love to hear from you. Make sure you're subscribed so you see when the next one comes out. And I will see you guys in the next episode.